0: Welcome to On the Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Hey, welcome to episode 39 of On The Way. We're starting at the beginning of Luke 22 today. And the beginning of this chapter is chilling. Here's where Judas Iscariot is introduced. He's the betrayer. It goes like this. The festival of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. What does that mean? In other words, the crucifixion was approaching. Jesus was killed on Passover. Luke 22, 2 says, The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Can you imagine, what if a bunch of pastors today were going around trying to figure out how to kill a religious leader that we disagreed with? In verse 3, Then then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples. I'm not sure why the English translation of the Bible makes Satan a proper noun here. The Greek word Satanus actually means the opposer. So Judas is the betrayer and the Satan is the opposer. So the original language actually says the opposer entered into Judas. And every time Satanist appears in scripture, both in the New Testament Greek form and in the Old Testament Hebrew form, every time it has an article before it, Satan isn't a name, it's a description. In fact, the description Satanist is used to, it's used to describe all kinds of opposers in scripture, including the angel of the Lord. But when Satanist is used to describe most people in scripture, they're called a Satan. But when it's used to describe God's main adversary, the supreme antagonist of the story, he's described as the Satan. And here, the Satan has found a way to oppose Christ by entering into a man, Judas. And Judas went to the religious leaders and offered to betray Jesus And they were pumped about it, right? So Judas agreed to to betray Jesus for 30 silver coins. That today would be the equivalent of about $3,000. Enticing? So how are you feeling about Judas by this point? Does he feel like your adversary yet? Well, he should, but not for too long. Remember how Jesus treats his enemies. Later, he's going to pray for the people who are killing him. He's going to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And we get this mixed up. Jesus wants us to love our enemies. The goal of Christian love isn't loving Jesus. It's loving Judas. That's mature love. Get to the place where you can love Judas. Then in verse 7, we read the story of the Last Supper. It's the famous communion meal. And for them, it's a very important meal. It's the beginning Passover meal, and the Passover meal is extensive. There's a whole schedule of eating, then drinking, and more eating, and more drinking, and more eating, and and lots more drinking. It goes on for a long time. Then Jesus gives his disciples instructions about how to prepare for the meal, and when they sit down to eat, Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God, Luke 22:15. 15. If you believe God's kingdom is already here, then you believe Jesus takes communion with us when we eat it, right? If you believe God's kingdom won't be here until Jesus comes back, then you believe Jesus is waiting to take communion with us. I'm not going to get into that disagreement today, and that could cause a much longer discussion, but that's the two camps that most people, most Christians fall into. But we're not waiting to take communion, right? Jesus broke bread into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're not waiting. We're communing together. Then Jesus turned his attention to Judas. He says, Sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me, for it has been determined that the Son of God must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Luke twenty two, twenty one through 22. Jesus isn't dying because Judas betrayed him. He's dying for us, but he's using Judas's betrayal. God is going to accomplish his plan one way or the other. If we're disobedient, he'll use our disobedience. If we are obedient, he will use our obedience. God is going to win. The disciples then start arguing about who the betrayer is. And Jesus reminds them the importance of humility and tells them what an honor it's been to serve them. Jesus served them. Peter says, Lord, I am ready to go to prison for you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Luke 22, 33 through 34. Jesus talked a little more about how God will always provide for them. And then he walked to the Mount of Olives with them. Jesus asked them all to pray for him. And then he went off to pray by himself. This is when he asked God to find a different way he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell on the ground like great drops of blood. Luke twenty-two forty-two 42 through 44. Then he returned to the disciples, and as he's waking them up, soldiers led by Judas came to arrest Jesus. And Judas Judas tried to kiss Jesus to show them which man Jesus was. And one of the disciples grabbed a sword and cut off the ear of the high priest's slave. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he healed the man's ear. And then he said, why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment. The time when the power of darkness reigns. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. Luke twenty two, fifty-three through fifty-five. Over the next few hours, three people asked Peter if he was a follower of Christ, and he denied it every time. A rooster crowed, Jesus and Peter make eye contact, and Peter feels terrible. This is when the soldiers start beating and mocking Jesus. They said, Prophesy to us, who hit you that time? Luke 22, 64. This happens all night long. And in the morning, people gather to see Jesus before the high council. They said, so are you claiming to be the son of God? And he replied, you say that I am. Why do we need other witnesses? They said, we ourselves heard him say it. Luke 22, 70 through 71. Then we get to the long dreaded passage, chapter 23. Jesus stands before Pilate and before Herod and neither of them can find a reason to sentence Jesus to death, but the religious leaders conspire and begin to riot. Three times Pilate said that he was going to release Jesus, but every time the religious riot demanded that he release Barabbas and kill Jesus. Barabbas was imprisoned for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government, and for murder. Yet these so-called men of God take his side over the man who healed so many people. So because it was politically expedient, Pilate gave in and turned Jesus over to the people to be crucified. Why did Jesus work so hard to keep people away from politics? Because this is politics. It's all about power. Even in a system without democracy, leaders follow the selfish will of the people or some other evil desire that they have rather than following an authoritative standard, rather than following truth. Our standard isn't what's popular, what we feel like, or or what we want. Our standard is God. It's truth. I'm not saying it's bad to have political opinions or to get involved with politics, but it is bad for your po- political opinions to have you, to to be overwhelmed by politics. Okay, we're out of time. Next week's episode is a big one. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person he created you to be. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. Number one, Judas appears to be the main adversary of the crucifixion story, but Paul tells us he was possessed by the Satan. If we are called to love our enemies, what does that say about how we should feel about Judas? Luke 22, 3. Number two, the Satan is never given a proper name in scripture. Instead, we are given metaphors and descriptions of him. Why do you think that is? Luke 22, 3. Number three. The Last Supper was the Passover meal. And Jesus served his disciples at the Last Supper. And he told them to remember his sacrifice when they feast together in the future. So how well does our communion liturgy honor Christ's request? Luke twenty two nineteen. Number four. In the garden, Jesus asked God to find a different way to bring forgiveness to the world. Does that mean Jesus was weak? Luke 22, 42-44. Number five, Pilate gave in to the pressure of the mob. What absolute standard do we rely on to avoid following the desires of popular opinion? Luke 23, 25. <laughs>